Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Welcome everyone to Geraldine Tegelov Live. Today's show is the second in the series, Publishing 101. <laughs> All things bright and beautiful. Well, perhaps it would be better to say all things words and paper or something like that. Yeah, publishing a book can be quite a challenge to say the least if you're stepping into that world without any prior knowledge. Sometimes the only way to gain this knowledge is through experience. But hopefully with this series, you will have lots and lots of strategies to make your journey a much easier and smoother one. Last week, I shared with you lots of ideas to help you uh, tackle that task of actually writing whatever is perfect for you. So do you long to publish your very own cookbook or do you long to write about the best places to stay across Europe? Do you have this urge to write a book of very funny jokes, giving others the opportunity to laugh away the hours? Or maybe you wish to inspire others to greatness through sharing or the sharing of your story of life. I guess it doesn't really matter what your book is about or the style in which it is written. The fact of the matter is that once it's written, if it's going to get out to the masses, it must be published. This is the real sticking point, yeah, for many authors. You know, we get so excited about the idea of our book and our unique writing. And we see it and write until it's perfect. And then we really just don't know what to do next. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, what step do I take? What do I do with this book? How do I get it published? What's the best way to go? You know, there's hundreds of questions that come through our mind. And I know everyone's experiences of publishing are very different. But probably the best way that I can assist you with strategies and know-how is to share with you my own personal experience of entering and dealing with the world of publishing. And also during the series, I'm going to be interviewing a number of different authors who will all happily share with you how they've taken their books and had them published. Uh, we will all share with you what worked and what didn't, so you can make the decision for yourself what will be the best avenue for you. And may I suggest you listen to each of them before making decisions on how you would like to go about it. 
the more knowledge you have before you begin will definitely have you avoiding many of the pitfalls associated with having your work published and marketed. And yes, there can be lots of heartaches, as myself and the other authors will share with you. <laughs> I can laugh about it now. I wasn't laughing at the time. So let's make this as easy as we can for you. And how do we do this? Well, today I'm going to share my story and my experience around publishing in the hope that it will do just that. So I'm going to be chatting about publishing, uh, publishing house, I should say, versus self-publishing. I'm going to talk about how these differ. I'm going to uh, tell you a few of the publishing myths that are out there. I'm going to talk to you about agents and book proposals and a little bit around uh, what I call the truth around marketing of your um, once you're published. So we've got heaps to get through today and I can't wait to share it all with you. But let's begin with our reading and um, today I've chosen to use my wild and free horse cards. Uh, you'll find the pics of these cards on my show page. And these fabulous cards are all about empowerment and freedom. Perfect for this topic today because in writing and publishing, we want to feel empowered and we want to get the freedom that um, perhaps a successful book can bring us. So if you're looking for suggestions as to what you need to focus on to have your writing become a success, then these cards are a wonderful way to go. So you can have a look at whiz over to my website at www.geraldinetegelove.com or here on my show page at Toginet. Click on the horse link provided and take a closer look at these gorgeous cards. They are absolutely beautiful and um, can give you some wonderful messages. Now, I, I choose the cards as we go so that they're exactly right for today. And remember, regardless of when you're hearing this, these messages will be perfect for you. Nothing ever happens by chance. We always get messages at the perfect time and in the perfect way. So the first card for today is the card um, of the Australian Bromby. And it says, I follow my heart and know that anything is possible. Wow, what a beautiful affirmation for us if we're wanting to write and publish. Um, the Australian Bromby is it's a very hardy, highly agile and versatile horse. And if caught, taken from the wild and trained, this truly remarkable horse is capable of developing a magical bond with its owner. The Bromby's heightened communication skills learned from living in a family group in the wild makes them very sensitive to any given cue. Interesting. I just, yeah, the cards are always perfect, aren't they? Communication skills. <laughs> okay, so what's the message from this beautiful horse today? Well, the Australian Bromby spirit is asking you to love and nurture that beautiful part of you 
that doesn't want to be harnessed or tamed. This is all about loving yourself enough to allow your imagination to run wild and dream big dreams. It's time to free yourself of those who try to hitch you up to what they think is right for you and tell you that what you dream for your life is impossible. Today, don't listen to those who stomp on your dreams. Hold on tight to the reins of your Brumby and ride your dream into reality. Such a beautiful message and perfect for today. Okay, let's choose our second card. Just give me a moment. Okay. Uh, this is, and I can, um, I find it hard to say this word, Przewalski's horse. Yeah. And the affirmation is, I am unique. I am one of a kind. I love who I am. These cards all have a beautiful affirmation. Uh, and, and that affirmation helps you to grow that inner part of you, to be empowered and, and get that freedom that you're looking for. So this one, I am unique, I am one of a kind, I love who I am. Now, the Mongolian Przewalski's horses are very unique, not only in the fact that they are the last surviving wild horses in the world, but also because they have 66 chromosomes, two more than the domestic horses. Um, these horses have never been tamed or trained for riding, and they can be quite aggressive when approached and are very protective of their family group. They have great powers of endurance and are able to live on the poorest of vegetation in the most severe conditions. But what is the message from this card today and this beautiful horse? It says, horses, uh, you are truly unique. Prick up your ears and listen carefully as the spirit of the amazing Prowalski's horse whispers beautiful messages into your heart to help you understand your very own uniqueness. You are one of a kind, and as you embrace your uniqueness, your gifts and talents will truly begin to shine. You will begin to love yourself enough to truly understand what you have to offer the world. With the wind in your hair and a smile on your face, you will ride like never before, wild and free. Oh, <laughs> another beautiful message for you for today. And this uh, Przewalski's horse, and I apologize if I'm not, you know, um, pronouncing that as well as I could. <laughs> I, I've, you know, I practiced when I remember when I was doing the cards, I used to practice it all the time. This is how you say it, this is how you say it. And then every time I come to say it, it kind of out. But anyway, so long as we, we don't necessarily have to get the name perfect, but we do have to get the message. And so if you're thinking of writing your book, or your whatever product it might be, could be cards, could be anything. Just embrace your uniqueness and your gifts and talents will begin to shine. And you really do have to love yourself enough um, to know and to honour 
that gift that you have within you that uh, and share it with the world because you know there are people out there just waiting for you to do what you came here to do so don't leave it and and think down the track oh it's too late now and then be sorry that you didn't give it a go there is always a way now after the break we're going to get straight into the whole publishing thing about self-publishing and publishing houses so everyone i have lots to share with you straight after the break Best-selling author, musician, and life coach, Geraldine Tegelov will return after this short break. It's merging When airplanes first began carrying passengers, everyone was treated to first-class accommodations. Caviar and sandwiches were presented on porcelain plates with beverages served in crystal. Flying was truly a special event as passengers wore suits and evening dresses. What do you call a person who is afraid to fly? An aeroacrophobic. The airlines required stewardesses to be unmarried, and many were nurses as well. To be a pilot was respected and revered. What do you call a person who chooses a career based on the glamorous image it conveys? A modoc. A typical flight in those days from London to Singapore would cost over $17,000 today and take eight days. What's another word for jet lag? Dysrhythmia. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you Did you know that having one hand in your pocket is considered arrogant in Turkey? My husband and I felt like goostrum noodles when this was pointed out to us while we were visiting in Istanbul. A goostrum noodle is a foolish person. What is seen as common behavior in one country is frequently considered bad manners or rude in another country. For example, while most Americans sit in the back seat of a taxi, in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, Scotland, and the Netherlands, to sit in the back of the cab when the front passenger seat is available is considered rude. In Japan and South Korea, tipping is seen as an insult. And in China and India, it is considered greedy to tear into a gift in front of the giver. What's another word for a person with bad bad manners? A snirt. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back as Geraldine Tegelove continues to guide us through the three R's, the processes of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding a happy and successful life. Here is host and life coach, Dr. Geraldine Tegelove. Yes, you are listening to Geraldine on Geraldine Tegelove Live, and today my goal is to help you gain an understanding of the world of publishing. Mm -hmm. I am focusing uh, on the differences between self-publishing and a publishing house and what this actually means for you as an author. Once you finish writing, there are big decisions to make as to the best option for you um, as an individual author. You know, lots of carrots will be dangled in front of you, but only you can make the choice as to which you bite into and enjoy, yeah, so to speak. 
So I think the best way to start, I'd love to share my story with regards to publishing, only because it can give you lots of insight into how all of this works, because believe me, I've done it all just about. <laughs> so um, perhaps if I share with you that, uh, that story and then tell you the, the good, the bad and the ugly, so to speak, having now published two books and four sets of oracle and transformational cards with guidebooks and having experienced a whole range of publishing methods, I am hoping that I can share with you lots of great ideas and strategies with regards to this topic. Now, it has certainly been an interesting journey, to say the least. <laughs> and as I said earlier, I can laugh about it all now. <laughs> but there have been times when I shed quite a number of tears for a number of different reasons. My story of the last few years has been one of, uh, as you probably know, if you've looked at my website or the things that I do, losing uh, everything financially, and then reinventing and rebuilding my life. In fact, losing it all was the reason for writing my first book. In one of my recovery moments, it dawned on me that there were probably many others out there in the big wide world who were going through the same thing. And if what I had discovered about recovering from financial meltdown had helped us, then it just might help others. Now, this, uh, through a whole series of events, which were amazing, uh, led um, me and my husband to attending a weekend workshop on how to write a book in 10 days. Big joke, yeah, well... How naive was I even thinking that this could be the case? <laughs> Unless it was a two-page book, yeah. <laughs> but attend we did, and so began the journey into the world of publishing. So Bill and I decided to co-author this first book, which is titled Beyond Broke, Recover and Flourish from Financial Meltdown. And for this book, we went through a publishing house which turned out to be quite a lengthy process and not quite the 10 days as the workshop promoted. Um, but it's still a great book, which is actually became an international bestseller. And I'm not sure how, but it did. So that was great too. The only problem was that the publishing house went broke. <laughs> I mean, how's that? Writing a book on Beyond Broke and the publishing house goes broke. Maybe they didn't read the manuscript. I'm not sure. Quite a funny twist, really. Yeah, perhaps they did need to read the book <laughs> a few more times than they did. But believe me, it wasn't quite so funny at the time. To print more copies, we uh, finally found a printing company here in Australia and went about having it printed ourselves and marketing it out there in the best way we possibly could. Now, you think I would have learned from my first experience, but no. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have to do these things a few times before the penny drops. When it was time to publish my second book, I once again looked for a pump publishing company, which I thought had a good name and was a reputable company. 
Um, and this was uh, really a combination of publishing house and self-publishing. Once again, I handed my book over to someone else. Now, the printing and the publishing of the book went well. And then it was suggested that I take a marketing package to make sure my book reached the people who were looking for what I had to offer. And to make a long story short, I paid out thousands towards something that produced absolutely nil results. Not only that, I discovered that I had to actually buy my books from the company before I could sell them through my website or at a workshop or when I went to speak. Mm, all my hard work, effort and expertise. And who was getting all the profit? Well, it certainly wasn't me. Now, I have to take responsibility. I chose to do it. And I, at the time, I thought it was the right thing to do. So please, please be very, very careful about what you sign up for because quite often you are promised the world and it doesn't work out that way. So after this experience in the world of publishing, I wrote a very big today's note to self. <laughs> when deciding to publish anything, find a better way. That was my note and I've stuck by it. It was time to make some very big decisions if I was going to produce and publish any more pro uh, product. So what did I do? Well, I decided to do it all myself and find help from others in areas where I lacked expertise. My next product uh, was my Feather Magic Oracle card pack, which of course includes a guidebook. Now, once the writing was done and I had a clear picture of how I wanted the images to be presented, I went and found my own graphic designer who brought them to life. Then I also had someone edit and typeset the guidebook. Okay, so now all was ready. But the next, next task was deciding, you know, what do I do from here? After quite a deal of research, we found a company who would print and ship the cards packs to Australia at a very reasonable cost. Uh, trying to have them done here was not going to be at all um, financially uh, healthy for us or for the retailers or anybody else. So we had to take it offshore. Yeah. Um, for me, it was all about making sure Everyone in the process uh, had a fair financial gain. So that there had to be a financial gain for the printing company, a financial gain for me, a financial gain for the distribution company, and a financial gain for the retail store. Uh, this is the only way to go as far as I'm concerned. So everyone gets a bite of the cherry. Now, this worked absolutely beautifully and I wasn't paying 35% of um, you know of any financial gain to a publishing house. I've since published another three card decks and all have been a huge success. I guess for me 
the very best way of publishing my work was to take control of the process and oversee each step. Now, this may not be the correct way for everyone, but for me, it has been much easier and far less stressful uh, way of approaching the world of publishing. Now, please remember, everyone's way will be different. And that's why it's so important for you to listen and learn from others before deciding which is the right process for you. Um, so from here, I thought, okay, so how do I help you make these decisions? Well, I thought the best way is um, to share with you a little bit about the differences between self-publishing versus publishing house. As I said, the choice is always yours. Finding a publishing company or a publishing house to take on your book can be a little tricky these days, but certainly not impossible. If that is what you want, then go for it. All I wish to do here is present to you a quick comparison from my point of view of how each one works so you can make an informed decision. Okay? So... The first thing we're going to take a look at are public, the publishing house. Now, I'm not going to get through this, um, you know, before we go to break, because I think we've only got a couple of minutes. But I'll, I'll share with you a couple of things to start with, and we will continue straight after the break, okay? So with a publishing house, there's no upfront cost to you. And that's always a good thing. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, producing and all that sort of thing of your product, your book, or whatever it is that you want to do. The publishing house produces your product, but the publishing house also controls the process and quite often the finished product, which means they sometimes take liberties and change things that they want to change rather than you having full control over this is my work this is my inspired work and this is what I want to publish. No, they sometimes um, can produce that product in a way that suits them. I hope you're getting the message, okay? Now, with a publishing house, there's a ready-made market. Well, that can be sometimes questionable as well. Certainly, they have places they can send your product your book or whatever, out there into the world. But you are still required to do marketing. Publishing houses demand this um, in a big way. And I'm going to tell you lots about this after the this coming break because this is really important to know because if you go into it blindfolded, you might come out the other side with a very wet blindfold from the tears that you shed. So hang tight, everybody, because straight after the break, I'm going to share more with you, okay? Lots about. Best-selling author, musician, and life coach, Geraldine Tegelove will return after this short break. It's 
Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymis and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to a recent Gallup poll, 56% of Americans say they want to lose weight. Staying slim is important for a multitude of reasons. If you want or need to lose weight, do it now. Excess pounds lead to a whole host of life-threatening conditions, including heart disease, some cancers, and diabetes. The Journal of the American Dietetic Association reports that obesity is also associated with suppression of immunity, which can leave you more vulnerable to getting sick. The longer you wait, the more prone you are to contract a life-threatening condition. Not only that, being sluggish and having low energy will continue in your life until you get that extra weight off. Find an eating program that works for you and increase your exercise to do more than you're doing now. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back as Geraldine Tegelov continues to guide us through the three R's, the processes of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding a happy and successful life. Here is host and life coach, Dr. Geraldine Tegelov. Yes, you are listening to Geraldine on Geraldine Tegelov Live. And if you have just joined me, this is the second in a series called Publishing 101, all the ins and outs of the publishing world. In this series, you'll gain so much insider information to help you make informed decisions on how to go about publishing your product. Yeah, there are a number of myths out there that need to be discussed openly and honestly in the publishing world, uh, as with everything else in this publishing world, is going through enormous change and you need to be informed so as to prevent the pitfalls which many of us have experienced. Now, if you'd like to listen to the complete show and lots of others, then you can download them for free from iTunes. Just search Geraldine Tegelov Live under podcasts, or you can come here to toginet.com or to my website at geraldinetegelov.com, so lots of places to find it. Now, before the break, I was chatting about the difference between publishing houses and self-publishing, and I was talking about the fact that the publishing houses really require you to do a lot of the marketing of your book. It's not, you know, people think they take it and they market it and they sell it and do all of that. They do to a point. But I um, just actually in the last couple of weeks, I've had a, a good friend of mine who is about to publish a new book and she, um, you know, was was really uptight about the fact that 
when she met with them, she had to come up with this amazing, uh, what you call a platform of people, how many she had on her uh, list to get out to, so she could do a lot of the marketing. And they demand this now. They look at the size of your platform before they'll even consider you. And it's one of the things that they are really concerned about. Uh, you know, it's just a, a thing these days that people don't take into consideration. They think all the marketing will be done for them. No, it won't. So please get that very clear. You will be expected to do quite a deal of marketing of your product. Now, the other thing that is that all sales of your product, your book, go through the publishing house. Your percentage profit is very low. I mean, I'm talking 5% or less. Now, you have to think about this. How much your time, effort and energy went into producing your book and this is the profit that you will get out of it when the book is finally published. And the other thing that I found very difficult was the fact that I could only sell my products at specified promotions. Otherwise, I had to buy it from the publishing house and then sell it to other people. So you really no longer have control of how you use your book or, you know, whatever it is that you've published. So, you know, it's a choice that you make yourself. And I understand some people still want to go through publishing houses and that is fine. So you can, how do you get your book in front of a publishing house? Well, and this is from my perspective, remember, uh, of what I did. You can go directly to the publishing houses with a selected part of your manuscript um, and they have particular guidelines that you have to follow. So you can go to a publishing house and look at the guidelines that you have to jump through to get your book in front of someone. But probably the best way of getting your book into the hands of a publishing house is through an agent, okay? These agents read your manuscript. And if it's something they feel fits their genre and they like it, they will then work with you in approaching publishing houses. Um, now, this takes not only a great book, but also the writing of a proposal to basically promote you as someone they would love to have in their stable of authors. So it can be a little complicated. Now, I'm going to go through that proposal uh, a little bit later on, but before I get to that, I want to... Uh, go through uh, um, the difference now between publishing house and self-publishing. So what are the points about self-publishing? Self-publishing really puts you in control of every step in the process. Uh, and if you're a bit of a control freak like I am, <laughs> then, you know, self-publishing is the way to go. But it's more than that. It's the fact that, you know, this is your baby. You have put so much time, effort and energy into it. You want it published in your way, not in a way that they think best suits them. So think about it. 
and the finished product is how you want it and not redesigned to fit a gap in the genres of a publishing house. I remember approaching a publishing company, I can't remember what it was at the time, and I had a huge platform of people. I had, you know, some pretty good products already. And I remember this man saying to me, well, we have a gap in our department at the moment. If you can write about that, then we might consider you. And I'm thinking, but this is not the idea. This is, it, it flies in the face of inspired writing. I don't want to just write to fill a gap. I want to write from my heart about what's important for me. Now, the other great thing about self-publishing is that you can sell your product whenever and however you wish, which puts more money in your pocket and more money to the retailer. Now, retailers are really pushing uphill at the moment. And if you can give them uh, a fabulous retail profit, uh, like a 100% markup on what they have to pay wholesale to you to get the book, and then they can put 100% profit on that, they will love you and they will love your product. So it, that's my experience anyway. Great way to go. And there's also no waiting for a six-month monthly payment, which happens with publishing houses too. But you can produce an ongoing weekly income by getting the books out there in whatever way you want to. So every time I went to speak, I took a box of books and I sold them. Extra little profit in my pocket. If I was doing a workshop, I would make the books part of the workshop. So more sales to me. It just makes sense to me. And I'm not having to pay, you know, the publishing house to buy the books first at wholesale price and then hope that I can, it was more than wholesale really, that I can sell them on. It just, just didn't make sense. Now, the negative side of self-publishing is that you have to manage every step yourself. But, you know, as I have found, there are always people who are happy to assist you. It does cost you up front, but I found too with this, I could plan. This is how much it's going to cost me. And the great part was that there was only a certain number of books that I had to sell or card decks that I needed to sell in order to cover that cost. So I could set a little budget for myself and make sure I had all the money together before I went into publishing. Okay, it can be a very gentle process with you in control. Now, I know also there's no market already in place unless you have a pretty big social media um, you know, platform or base of people or you have a nice big email list or whatever it is. You do need to start putting that in place even whilst you're writing the book, start building that so that you've got people to get it out there. But more about marketing at another time. So there are a few little myths that I'd like to share with you too. 
um, about publishing. And perhaps, you know, these have to do with publishing houses. You know, a, a long time ago, people were paid uh, upfront an amount of money by a publishing house. But this doesn't happen anymore as traditional publishing houses, like a lot of companies out there, struggle to survive. And the most any publishing house now pays is maybe $1,000 after you've proven yourself with another product. As we've just been talking about, the publishing house does all the marketing. Nope, it doesn't happen as it once did. You'll probably be assigned a publicist, but you'll be expected to get out and market. And the issue then becomes who gains the most from your hard work? Um, and yes, they will look at uh, for a platform of followers before they even consider your proposal. Publishing houses are often looking for those who've already built a huge following. So you think, well, hang on a minute, you know, what am I doing here? Okay, so now we're coming into break again. And after the break, what I'd love to do is help you uh, understand what you need to include. If you decide to still go with a publishing house, that's perfectly fine. And if that feels best for you, then you need to do that. Uh, what I'm going to uh, help you with is how, what you need to include uh, or a framework for a proposal to get it to an agent or to a publishing house with your manuscript. So at least you've got a basic idea of what you need to prepare beforehand. So once again, you're not going in blind to a publishing house and thinking, well, you know, I've got this amazing book, but they are honestly looking for mar far more than that. And it's time to start building your uh, platform of followers too before you approach them. Okay, everyone. So big, deep breath. We're doing well here. Hope you've been taking a few notes and really listening. Remember, we've got lots of other authors coming after this week too to help you make this decision. So after the break, I'll give you the framework for a proposal. So hang tight, everyone. Not long. Best-selling author, musician, and life coach, Geraldine Tegelove will return after this short break. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. That spare tire that many Americans carry around their middle is not only unsightly, it is also dangerous. Abdominal obesity increases your risk of stroke, heart attack, diabetes, and more. Some call it the middle-aged spread, or a beer belly, or muffin top. But the truth is, no matter what you call it, it is just fat. Harvard Medical School says that the culprit is calories. If you take in more calories in food and drink than you burn up with exercise, you'll store excess energy in fat cells. They state that the risk begins to mount at a waist size above 37 inches for men, and a measurement above 40 inches would put you in the danger zone. For women, the corresponding waist sizes are 31 and a half and 35 inches. Exercise is the key to shrinking that belly and dissolving the fat. 
I'm Annette Hammond. evening in 1929, William Lear and Elmer Wavering of Quincy, Illinois, were out driving with their girlfriends. One of the girls suggested it would be even more romantic if they could listen to music. The guys liked the idea and started tinkering with installing a home radio in the car. They sold their idea to a radio manufacturing company and applied for a loan with a local banker to get production started. Thinking it might sweeten the deal, they installed one of their new radios in the banker's vehicle. Unfortunately, the banker's car caught on fire and they didn't get the loan. They must have felt like Dunder Klumpens. Not giving up, they drove to a radio convention and sat outside in the car with the radio blasting. Soon orders were pouring in and taking a cue from the Victrola because their radio was going in a car. They called it the Motorola. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back as Geraldine Tegelov continues to guide us through the three R's, the processes of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding a happy and successful life. Here is host and life coach, Dr. Geraldine Tegelov. Woohoo! Yes, we are back, and you are listening to Geraldine on Geraldine Tegelov Live. So much info today on the differences between going with a publishing house and self-publishing, your, you know, getting it out there yourself. Remember, there's no need to rush the decision. In the final analysis, getting your writing out into the world to those who are waiting to read what you have to say is what it's all about. And, yes, I must admit, I kind of lean towards the self-publishing but you need to look at lots and lots of different companies to see what they offer and uh, make sure that it suits you and it's really in alignment with who you are and the work that you are producing or publishing. So don't jump into anything quickly. Now, I do want to remember I said I'm going to go through what you need to put in your proposal to find an agent or a publishing house. But before we do that, we are going to have a little meditation. Meditation gets those, you know, uh, fearful feelings out of our body and allows us just to be one with the universal energy that is flowing in and through us and helps us to make really good decisions and choices about which way to head. And today's uh, meditation song is perfect. It's called Hearts, Hands and Minds. And if you would just take the time to sit back and listen and enjoy, you will lose those, you know, stressed out feelings and you'll be able to relax into the process. So right now, we're going to have a listen to Hearts, Hands and Minds. Have you ever made a daisy chain? And carefully link those stems You gladden hearts around you When you share it with a friend Have you ever made a deal? 
flimsy chain and with one flimsy thread you've linked a bond that holds so fast when you share it with a friend what if we could all link hands for just one moment in time imagine how the world would be with a peace so hard to find a hand stretched out in giving reaching out into the world giving to each other
a lovely meditation song for today. Yes, hearts, hands and minds. And could you imagine? And if that song has just made you relax and feel a little less uptight or stressed about things, then it has done its job. Yes. <laughs> and that's exactly where we need to be when we are making decisions about anything and about publishing. So now I promised you I would give you a framework for, uh, you know, writing a proposal to go to uh, find an agent or publishing or an author's agent or a publishing house. So, and I'm just going to give you an outline of how I went about it and that just might help you. Okay, so I did this under several headings and the first heading was an overview so very briefly, I told them a little bit about my story and, you know, what I had experienced and what came out of that experience. So it was kind of a, giving them an overview of who I was and why I had written this book. And then I told them a little bit about the fact that I'd, you know, tapped into the secret world of nature and what it could offer um, that I published my book, Today's Note to Self, and I had, you know, a Nature Spirit Speak radio show came out of that, and I was running courses. And so it just gave them an overview of who I was and what I was doing, okay? The next heading was the marketing and demographic analysis, and they really need to know that you've thought about this. And it's very important for you, whether you go with self-publishing or a publishing house, that you know who your audience is or who your market is. So I explained that I was targeting women uh, anywhere between 20 and 65 years, and particularly those who are finding life a struggle or seeking answers. You know, is this all there is or where is life taking me? And I also was looking at um, people who were seeking to grow spiritually and those who were interested in the divine feminine, feminine sorry, uh, Mother Earth, you know, all those things. And also those dealing with the really big practical issues regarding health and finance and relationships and career, all those things were very important. So once I had defined my demographics and where I was wanting to place my work, then the next heading was the platform that I had. So I wrote a bio of who I am and what I do and then told them what I already had in place. So I had my own radio show and I could promote through that. I was a keynote speaker. Um, I often had, I, at the time, I wrote for a magazine, a spiritual magazine, on a monthly basis, so I did that. I had a website with a, an email list that came through that website, and I also had a profile and quite a number of social media sites and had built a, quite a following with that. Then I just wrote about my, uh, the next heading was existing products, resources and services. And then I put in some testimonials. And then I actually wrote the proposal that I was seeking to partner 
with someone to uh, for a new product or existing products. You know, I just gave them the idea of what I was looking for. So it was the proposal itself. So I hope that gives you a good idea of what you need to put in a proposal to find that publishing house or find that agent that you're looking for that will fall in love with you and your work and uh, help you to get it published and help you to get it out there. But this proposal, this is exactly what they'll be looking for. And they will also, if you uh, Google, you know, writer's agents or whatever, you'll find that each of them have a criteria that you have to fall under and you have to write and tell them what, um, you know, they will give you forms to fill out and, and make sure you do that. Otherwise, you won't even be considered. How many of them got back to me? Quite a few. Quite. Uh, well, even more didn't. But that's okay. I still got published. So we're coming to the end of the show very quickly. Next week, I've got a fabulous author who's coming on to share with you her experiences of publishing. So that will be a great one. In the meantime, have a fabulous week, everyone. A million blessings of happiness, love and peace. Keep writing and get your work published in your perfect way. Bye for now. Geraldine will be back next week with more life-changing ideas to share. In the meantime, you can visit her at www.geraldinetegelove.com to check out her fabulous new products and her workshops. Remember that all Geraldine's radio shows are available on iTunes free of charge. So why not?